You may remember a few weeks back we um, started our little series about caught in the headlights. I told you about how Beck and I were out late one night and this fox ran across the road in front of the car and when he saw the, the headlights of the car he panicked and he didn't know whether to go back, forward, left, right. He didn't know what to do and this put it into my head that sometimes we as Christians are like that. You know, it doesn't matter how long we're believers, but sometimes we face a crisis or we come up against a situation and we don't know what to do. We don't know whether to go left or right. We don't know who to talk to, who to turn to. And, you know, sometimes we maybe decide we'll retreat back away from wherever we were headed. Do we do that or do we let this thing take us down? And this was in my head and we talked about it and we talked about how in order to stop the enemy from, he will continue to attack our lives, but in order to stop him from being fruitful in attacking our lives, we need to grow up, basically. We were a little bit harsh. We said we have to grow up as Christians. We have to mature as Christians. We have to always be walking and advancing and growing in our Christian walk. We have to mature and we have to grow up. And we said that part of maturing and growing up in our Christian walk is realizing that we are in a battle, yes, but it's a spiritual battle. We decided that our spouse is not our problem, you know, um, our neighbor is not the problem, our husband is not the problem, or our boss is not the problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's an enemy. There is an enemy behind it. And we said, you know, there's always something you can't see um, affecting what we can see, okay? So I'm trying to... Um, tell you this in a nutshell because I don't want to waste too much time, but there's always something, yes, that you can't see influencing what you can see. And so we talked about how Paul in Ephesians, he was giving them instruction in Ephesians. I love that book. He's giving them instructions about how to handle this and how to handle that. And then in chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, finally, finally. And that's the scripture that we're just going to kick off with this morning because Paul is explaining to them, okay, we have an enemy he will come against us, but here's how we fight back. Here's how we are equipped. Here's how we protect ourselves. So finally, it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So we're not wrestling against your spouse this morning. We're not wrestling against our neighbor or our boss. We're wrestling against what? Um, the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Basically, in a nutshell, you're in a spiritual battle. Verse 13, it says, take up the whole armor of God. Now, this is amazing because God is so faithful. Not only did he say, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So when you're in the battle, God is always with you. But he also gave you weapons to use. And he didn't just give you one weapon or two weapons. He gave you a whole armor. Amen. He gave us a whole armor that we can withstand the enemy. So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand Stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on what? The belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God." So God has given us this spiritual gear to wear, spiritual um, armor to wear. 
And he says that this will help us to stand against the enemy. This is amazing, guys, isn't it? You know, I've, I've always known about the, the uh, armor of God. You know, I've known about it, but I, I, I didn't know it, if you know what I mean. It was only when I delved into it that I was like, wow, this stuff is good. This stuff is powerful. And, you know, there are six pieces of armor. And when Paul is teaching the Ephesians here, he's using um, armor in the natural as, as a way of teaching them because Paul is writing this letter in prison. And as we said, he's probably been guarded by a Roman soldier at the time. So he's looking at this Roman soldier and he realizes that the people that he's speaking to will be familiar with the Roman soldier and their military attire. So he uses that as, as a way of explaining it. And I love it. And when we wear these six pieces of armor, it helps us to mature. It helps us to grow up. And it will help us to know what to do when we get caught in those headlights. And Paul, like I say, he compares it to military gear. But each piece represents a part of God's strength. It's a part of God's strength that God has extended to you when you became a believer. And re really quick to recap, the belt of truth. We said that's the first thing that you have to put on because the Roman soldier always put on his belt first. Why? Because it helped to hold other things in place. And we said if there's any chance of us standing firm against the schemes of the enemy, we need to stand on the truth. Amen. We need to first make a decision that we're going to be committed to being a man or woman of truth and committed to the truth of God. We have to decide that this word, this book is going to be the compass for our lives. And the reason, church, we said that is, and the reason the belt of truth is so important is because the enemy's calling card is deception. He is out to deceive. So if you have this as the compass for your life, you will be able to see that deception a mile away. Amen? Then we had the breastplate of righteousness. We looked at that, and we talked about how the breastplate in the natural protected all the Roman soldiers, all his vital organs, including his heart. And we talked about how the breastplate of righteousness protects our heart. Remember, it protects our heart from evil and deception. But we have to choose to put it on. Because we remember we said that righteous living invites the favor of God and the blessing of God to come into our lives, but unrighteousness invites the enemy to come in and play havoc in our lives. Then we looked at the shoes of the gospel of peace. That kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? That peace, if you are shod with the gospel of peace, then you have peace that surpasses all understanding, the Bible says. It cannot be explained, amen? It cannot be explained. So if you're shod with the shoes of the gospel of peace, you won't be moved no matter what happens. A job loss, a divorce, a, a, a situation with your bank account, something's going on with your kids. If you have those shoes of the gospel of peace on your feet, you will not be moved. Amen. We said that peace should define us as Christians. Amen. It should be defa the default of a Christian. It, chaos should not be associated with our lives at all. We needn't be anxious or worried if we have the shoes of peace on us. And I just wanted to remind you of this because I really felt I got this from God when I was looking at this. If you have the shoes, peace in your life, right? Peace, you should have so much peace in your heart that it actually should be the boss of your heart. In fact, it should be the bully of your heart. You're allowed to have a bully of peace in your heart, amen? Because if that bully of peace is in your heart, then when the negative things come against you, the bully will push it out. He will push it out, amen? So I encourage you, have peace, wear those shoes. And then we said the shield of faith. 
Sometimes, and there are times and circumstances where we will need to take up that shield of faith. And we talked about how faith is not feelings, it's not emotions, it's not living by what we see going on around us. And faith is a protective barrier between us and the enemy. And remember, we looked at the Roman soldier, it was really cool, and how when he got his shield before the battle, you remember, he soaked it in water before he went. We thought that was very strange, but in factual fact, the darts coming at him more often than not were flaming darts. So if the shield was soaked in water, then not only did it stop the darts, but it extinguished the darts. And that's why Paul tells us, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts. So you're not just going to stop the darts, you're going to extinguish them. Amen. Praise God. And we talked about how truth we can believe in the wrong things and um, we need to have biblical, biblical faith. And that's acting on the truth of God. Amen. So I think you're all caught up because today, I really quickly, I want to talk about the helmet of salvation. This is so exciting, guys. I did not realize how exciting this is. Amen. This is so exciting. In the natural, what is a helmet? Well, it's a protective hat, isn't it? Right? We've all types of hats, as you know. We've swim hats, sun hats, you know, you've cowboy hats, you've beanies, you've baseball caps, you know, you've um, all sorts of hats, you know, top hats, bowler hats, all these hats. But then we have the protective hat, the helmet. Amen? And helmets are designed for a purpose. You walk onto any construction site in Ireland and you will be handed a helmet. Isn't that right, Roland? That's right, yes, I'm right. <laughs> and why not? Because a building site is a construction site. It's a dangerous place. You need to protect your head, so you'll be handed a helmet. Motorcyclists wear helmets all the time. Our kids, when they're on bikes, they wear helmets all the time. Listen to me. If you, now, you know the way we're talking about your young adults, but if you grew up in the 80s, and I am not sorry I grew up in the 80s. The 80s were cool, right? If you grew up in the 80s, you did not even know what a bicycle helmet was. Yeah. Amen. And I loved bikes as a child. And I remember, I think it was my 11th birthday, I got this, the best bike. Oh my goodness, guys. I would love to show you a picture of it. It was blue and the handlebars were thick and black. And you know, it had a bell on it and it had a carrier on it. But it had gears. This was the first time I had a bike with gears. I never had gears before. But as I was thinking about this the other day, I used to go up, there's a little hill up from our house and I used to go up the hill and I used to freewheel down the hill and then I'd have to stop up real quick at the bottom because there was cars coming. And I love this. I got a little thrill out of this. But as I thought about this the other day, I thought nobody ever thought to tell me to put on a helmet. The only safety instruction I got was from my mom and she said, if you ever have to stop up fast on the bike, pull the back brakes. Don't pull the front brakes because you'll go out over the handlebars. That was the only safety instruction I got. And I thought, wow. But I think maybe we were tougher in the 80s. We didn't need helmets, sure we didn't? No. I remember when I met Enda. First day I met Enda, right? The very first day I met Enda, he had his arm in a sling. And he had kind of some bruises and stuff over his... And I thought, oh, 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 this is a tough guy, <laughs> you know? Like, I'd grown up with Greece and the T-Birds, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> right? And I got to talking to him anyway, so it turns out he'd fallen off his bike. Anyway, <laughs> I still love him. <laughs> Well, praise God. We, can, um, we just didn't need helmets at the time. And, but helmets are always worn now, and that's a good thing. Because a helmet protects one of the most crucial parts of the body, your brain. Amen? And we need our brains. We didn't know that back in the 80s, but we know it now. We need our brains. If you want your body this morning to get up off that chair, your brain has to tell it to do it, doesn't it? If you want to turn right, if you want to turn left, your brain has to tell your body to do that. 
So we need to protect our brains because we need them. And as we said, Paul is writing about the armor of God and he's looking at the Roman soldier. You can imagine him riding away, looking up at the Roman soldier. And he spots that the Roman soldier has a helmet on his head. And he's thinking, these guys need a helmet. They need a helmet. They need something to protect their heads. Now, the thing about the Roman soldier's helmet was it was twofold. The first of all, it provided identity. Okay, so the helmets in those days, they were made out of brass. Sometimes they were made out of bronze or iron, but they had a red mohawk across the top of them. And the reason for that was it identified them as a Roman soldier. And it also identified the rank that they were in. So it provided identity. And the second thing, it provided safety for their brain. Because if their head gets a wallop, they're gone, they're finished, okay? So Paul realized this. He realized that the believers need identity and we also need safety. So what does the helmet of salvation mean for believers in the middle of spiritual warfare? Well, Paul says exactly that. It's a helmet of salvation, amen? The, as we said, the belt was truth, the breastplate was righteousness, shoes were peace, shield was faith, but now the helmet is salvation. What is salvation? It's God's life-changing power to transform. You don't have to stay the way you are. Isn't that good news this morning? God can transform your life because God is in the business of transforming lives. He's in the business of saving lives. He's in the business of changing lives. And the helmet of salvation provides the believer with identity and safety in Christ. Now, this is very interesting, okay? Paul wrote this, and obviously when he was writing this, this book, he was writing to what he assumed were Christians, okay? So he was assuming that the people he was writing to had received salvation, that they were saved, okay? And the helmet of salvation, are you ready for this, will only work if you have received salvation. So if you're here this morning, right, if you're here today and you have not received salvation, you have not asked Jesus to come into your life, you haven't handed over your life to Christ and said, here, Lord, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, today is your day. Amen? <laughs> today is your day. Salvation is the assurance of our eternal security. You know that song we sang? What is the line? Is He didn't want heaven without us. Guys. He didn't want heaven without us, amen? He didn't want heaven without us. So if you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're definitely, when you close your eyes for the final time, that you're definitely going to open them in heaven, Jesus doesn't want heaven without you, amen? He is offering you a free gift of salvation this morning. So if that's you, think about it because we're going to take care of that business at the end, okay? But as I said, Paul is assuming that he's, he's speaking to believers and he tells them that part of the armor they need is this helmet of salvation. Right, so we're made in the image of God. You ready for this now? You've got to have your thinking brains on. We're made in the image of God. We're made of three parts. We're made of our spirit, our soul, and our body. So the body is the flesh, isn't it? It's what we do, the things we do. The soul is our mind, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then the spirit is on the inside of us. It's who we are on the inside, okay? When we receive salvation, our spirit, what we are on the inside, is automatically transformed done deal okay automatic but this is where people get confused they make their decision okay they give their lives to christ their spirit they know now is automatically transformed but then they find that they go home and they're still battling those same old thoughts and those same old temptations 
This is where the helmet of salvation comes in. Amen. You see, when we made a decision to give our lives to Christ, that spirit, the, what we are inside of us, that's completely changed now. Done. Amen. But we have to realize that that transformation of our spirit has to translate to the salvation of our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then that transfers to our body. Okay? Are you with me? Yes? Okay. Praise God. Isn't this blow your mind? Okay. The trust that we put in Jesus for salvation transforms our spirit. So then we have to allow that transformation to happen in our minds and in our bodies. Okay? And if it happens in our minds, then our body will follow. Why? Because the brain is to the body what the mind is to the soul. So as I said to you earlier, if you want to turn to the left, if you want to turn to the right, your brain has to tell you to do that. Well, it's the, our mind is the same with our soul, okay? Our mind tells our soul what to do, and then our soul governs our body, okay? So Paul is telling us that we need to protect our minds, okay? It's so important, church. This is so important, amen? How do we do that? We put on the helmet of salvation, and that will change our thinking, you see, salvation, as I said, of our spirit, that's automatic. It happens immediately when we give our life to Christ. But salvation of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, that takes a little bit of work, okay? I said that dirty word, work, amen? <laughs> Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. We don't like to hear that word work, sure we don't. We don't like the idea of having to work for things. Why can't our minds just automatically transform? No, we have to work for that. Did you have to work for the salvation of your spirit? Absolutely not. Your spirit is saved by grace through faith. And once you're saved, you are saved. Amen? You're secure in Christ. But you need to let that salvation now transform your spirit and affect the rest of you, okay? The salvation, sorry, of your spirit transform your soul and affect the rest of you. You have to think about it this way. The Israelites, after 400 years, were taken out of Egypt. But still, when they got out of Egypt, Egypt was still in them, wasn't it? They came out of Egypt, but they still allowed Egypt to be in them. You know, you said that saying, you can take the country out of the man. No, you can take the man out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the man. You can have a man that lives in the sticks in the back end of nowhere, and you can take him and put him living in the middle of Dublin City, and the country will still be in that man, yeah. unless he allows himself to adapt to city life and transform to city life, amen, and allow city life to transform him. So we are saved and we're on our way to heaven, but we have to work on our minds now in order to get them to line up with God's word and God's ways, okay? We need to allow the helmet of salvation go into our minds because where the mind goes, the man will follow. So if you want to control your flesh, you must first control your mind, amen? Church, the battle is in your thinking. It's in your thinking. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to beat this thing. I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to find a spouse. I'll never have a healthy relationship. I'll never find a job. I'm never going to have a purpose. I'm never going to look good. 
all those things, they're not good thoughts, are they? Amen. And this type of thinking, it can catch all of us. You can be a believer for years and still get caught out with some of that thinking. Amen. Because the problem is it starts in our minds and it works itself out then for the right, through the rest of our lives. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you don't like your actions, you need to realize that it's not an actions problem. It's a thought problem. Amen. It starts in your mind. So what do we do? Well, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 tells us, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into, what's the word? Captivity to the obedience of Christ. Church, you got to take captive every thought. Amen. Can I tell you something today? Not every thought that comes into your mind should stay there. And don't make this mistake of thinking, oh, I'll let it play around in there for a little while. No, 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 no. So dangerous. Amen. We have to recognize that when negative thoughts come into our mind, that they are negative and we need to take them captive. You need to take them prisoner, amen? You need to tell them, give it up. You need to say to those thoughts and do it out loud if you have to, amen? I've been practicing this. Do it out loud if you have to, amen? You just say, I am taking you captive. I am not allowing you space in my mind. I'm making you obedient to Christ, who is the Lord and Savior of my life. This is so important because as we said, your life, will follow the direction of your mind. Your life will follow the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you don't like the direction of your life this morning, then maybe you have some thoughts that you need to take captive. And funnily enough, as a little side note, the enemy is very devious, as we said. He can actually <laughs> send some thoughts into your mind that are negative against something that God has actually blessed you with. Wow. I thought about this, I was like, really? Nobody appreciates me in this job. Yeah. I have to do everything myself. Yeah. This is the very job that God gave you last year because you cried out to him for it. That spouse that God gave you because you just had to have that spouse. It was the desire of your heart. And now all you can think about is how smelly his feet are. <laughs> <laughs> or how he, she can't cook. Enda would have left me long ago if he had known. <laughs> I can't cook. Not the smelly feet. I don't have smelly feet. I can't cook. <laughs> but you ask God to help you find a life-giving church. And now all you can think about is complaint after complaint. You know, these chairs are not comfier. They never do what I think they should do. We need to train our brain to, be, to gratitude for the things that God has blessed us with. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this job that provides me with income so I can pay my bills. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of waking up beside my spouse every morning. A lot of people don't. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for placing me in a church where I can grow and advance. See, as I said, our thoughts are so important because our lives will follow the direction of your strongest thoughts. I can't stress that to you enough this morning. Amen. So what do we do? We take them captive and we make them obedient to Christ. And we just say, because you came into my mind, just because you came in there, you're not staying there. Amen. You give that thought the eviction order, amen? You speak to it. You tell it, I know you're not a godly thought, so I'm not allowing you staying. You need to take control over your thoughts, amen? Put on the helmet of salvation. Put it on. God wants to renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 tells us that. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, as Christians, we're not to be of this world, amen. We're to renew our minds. We're to allow God to transform the way we think. 
And how do we do that? Well, we put on the helmet of salvation, amen? And you begin to think differently. This is a big one for me. The phone rings late at night. Automatically, I think something's wrong. But you know what? I need to change my thinking on that. I need to start thinking, oh, I wonder what good news can't wait till morning, amen? Or the boss calls you into the office. Immediately, you think, I'm getting fired. I'm out of here. Maybe you need to start thinking, mm, I wonder how I'm going to spend the pay rise that I'm going to get with this promotion he's about to tell me about. We need to think differently over our lives, amen? And an area that we need to think differently over our lives is about who we are. Remember we talked about the Roman soldier's helmet? It, it uh, represented his identity. It established his identity. How does the enemy attack your life? He will always attack your identity. Because if he can confuse you about who you are, then he can confuse you about what you're called to do. Amen? We see it in the world today. The world is working overtime trying to convince us that we're something we're not. It's trying, working overtime to try and convince your children that they're something that they're not. Amen? It's trying to give your children an identity that I know you do not want them to have. So get that helmet of salvation on and get it on your child. Amen. And I was thinking about this. You know when you're on a plane and they're giving the safety instructions and the, the, air, the air steward tells you, you know, um, the mask will drop down, you know, and, you know, if you have children with you, attend to your own mask first. And I remember thinking, well, I, I'd rather get girls first. But you see, if I don't put on my mask, I won't be able to help the girls. Amen. So you need to get your helmet of salvation on so that you can help your child to put theirs on. Amen. You are who God says you are and your children are God who says they are. Amen. We don't allow our feelings or the culture of the day to determine who we are. We are who God says we are. And don't allow labels that you've been given. We've all been given labels, haven't we? Don't allow them to limit you. Amen. Don't, don't allow that. You know, you, you're no good. You never amount to anything. You know that? You could never do that. How dare they tell you that? Amen? You are who God says you are. And another thing, don't allow the issues in your life to label you either. Amen? Don't allow them to steal your correct identity. Okay, maybe you have a divorce behind you. Maybe you were bankrupt at some stage. Maybe you are single or larger than, than you normally than you should be. Or maybe you're skinny or whatever it is. Maybe you're sick. But that's not who you are, amen? Don't let those things define you. That's not God. God sees you. God is aware that you are divorced. God is aware that you're sick. God is aware that you're skinny. God is aware that you're single. But that's not how he sees you, amen? You are who God sees you, says you are. You are his child. He sees you as the one who is trusting in him for eternal security. You are who God says you are. Put on the helmet of salvation, church. Are you listening to me? And remind yourself daily, I am chosen. I am blessed. I am called. I am anointed. I am appointed. Amen. I am transformed. I am an overcomer. I am a victor. I am healed. I am forgiven. I am gifted. I am beautiful. I am strong. I am prosperous. Amen. If you need that list, I'll text it to you. Amen. <laughs> The helmet of salvation provides identity and we need to see ourselves as God sees us. I am who God says I am. And then the helmet of salvation also provides us with safety. As we said, the Roman soldier's helmet protected his head. We bring safety to our minds when we change the way we think, amen? We have to stop thinking as the world does and start thinking as the word does, amen? And you know what? Unfortunately, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be, if you start thinking the way the world does, it's going to be a lot different than the way the world is thinking. Because this thinking will actually go against the world. 
but there's a freedom and a protection that comes when our thinking lines up with this word. Amen. Amen. You think about a fish in water. You know, the water, <coughs> the water is not controlling the fish, but he tries best when he's in water, doesn't he? A train on a track, the track doesn't control the train, but it goes better when it's on a track. Amen. When our thoughts line up with God's thoughts and God's word, that's when our lives stay on track. Amen. That's when our lives work best. Amen. That's when we can be all that he's called us to be. God's way of doing things is different than the world's way of doing things. Amen. And if we're going to do things God's way, then we have to start by renewing our mind. Philippians 4, 8 tells us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. True. So what's the opposite to true? False. We have to stop thinking false thoughts. Amen. I'm only going to think on things that are true. We have to think on noble thoughts. Amen. Don't let our morals be brought into question. Think on right things, not wrong things. Amen. Not wrong things pure think on things that are pure not stuff that's diluted or mixed up amen think on pure things think on lovely things let's not think on hateful things admirable things we should always be thinking good things about ourselves and good things about others amen honoring things and think on things that are excellent and praiseworthy well what's the opposite to that gossip slander we shouldn't be tearing each other down in our thoughts amen putting on the helmet of salvation means i'm going to take thoughts that are not of God captive, and I'm going to make them obedient to Christ. And I'm going to think about true things, noble things, right, pure, lovely things, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy things. And what will the result be? We saw it in verse 9. The God of peace will be with me. Amen. Unfortunately, the world is corrupt, guys. But you know what? That helmet of salvation is a protective hat. It will protect our minds. Amen. The Bible tells us we can have the mind of Christ. So when we put on the helmet of salvation, we can avoid those negative thoughts, amen? Because if we don't, we're susceptible to what the enemy plans in our minds. And he's out for your destruction, as we've said. He, if he can access your mind, he can steer the direction of your life. That's scary when you think about it, isn't it? But it doesn't have to be. Put on your helmet, amen? Because our minds are always inclined towards negative. So guard your minds, amen, against the negative thoughts. Put on the helmet of salvation, which is the hope of salvation. Very last scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. But let us live in the light, be <coughs> but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. You know, the Passion Translation says it like this, wearing as our helmet the hope of salvation over our thoughts. You know, you may not know, Church, what's going to happen this week, but one thing you can do is put that helmet of hope, the hope of salvation over your thoughts, amen, and allow it to renew your mind. Allow it to remind you of who you are, and then allow it to protect your mind. And just watch your life be steered in the right direction, amen.